Lord, I love you. Oh, with my soul. And I Jesus, that is the cry of our hearts, Lord. We love you, Lord, with all of our souls. Lord, it's the deepest thing that we can reach down to, Lord. Father, that's not just a love of a part of us, Lord, but it's the deepest reaches of a human being, Lord, that we can pour ourselves out to you, Lord, and just let you know how thankful we are, Lord, for what you've done for us, Lord Jesus. Lord, even that you've kept us safe this far, Lord, in the evils of the world that is around us, Lord. You've continued to be a bright and shining light within us, Lord. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word is always so great. It's so powerful. It's so sharp. It's so quick, Lord. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It knows our thoughts, Lord. It knows the intents of our heart, Lord Jesus. Father, it divides asunder the bone and the marrow, Lord Jesus. Father, you know all things, and there's nothing that escapes your eye, Lord. And Father, tonight we just ask that you come again. As you're here, Lord Jesus, say, Lord, you come deeper into our hearts, 
deeper in our souls, Lord Jesus. Clean out all the dross, Lord. Lord, flip the gold over again, Lord Jesus. Let it be beaten, Father God. Lord, lift us up, Lord Jesus. Examine us. Let us be a reflection of you, Lord. Forgive us when we put dirt on ourselves, Lord. Forgive us when we sin, Lord, when we walk contrary. Father, help us tonight, Lord. Help me to get myself aside and just allow you to speak freely. Help the hearer also, Lord, that we just move our own thoughts out of the way. Come into one mind and one accord, Lord Jesus, and let you move freely in our midst. In Jesus' name I pray. The congregation said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, musicians. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Welcome to the house of the Lord again this evening. It sure is good to be here, isn't it? Amen. Let's take their books, our books, our Bibles, to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13. have it, just say amen. Amen. Verse 14. It says, And now Elisha was fallen sick of his illness whereof he died. And Joash the king of Israel came down unto him and wept over his face and saith, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows, and he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians at Aphek, till thou hast consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite them upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then thou hast smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it, whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. Amen. I want to continue on tonight, and we'll just take a title of Footsteps Part 4, as I can't seem to get away from this word, as, as really footsteps is what it takes to possess your inheritance. And I want to take for a subtitle of Full Restoration. Full Restoration. And really, what is Full, full Restoration? Because Full Restoration is not just part of it. Obviously, that is entitled in the word full. 
But restoration is to go back to, to be restored back to something that you were. So it's not just a restoration back to uh, Azusa Street Revival. It's not just a restoration back to gifts being poured out. It's not just restoration back to having the Holy Spirit in the church. It's also not just a restoration, as this restoration did come through this message to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the Pentecostal fathers. That was part of the restoration, but it was more than that. This message wasn't just to bring us back to something that was, but it was to bring us to the original seed. Right back to all that Adam lost was what we are to be in possession of today. The full title deed and all of it that Adam had in that day. And we know that we, we bypassed our theophany. Because of, of Adam's sin, we weren't able to come into that form of being. But rather, we bypassed that and we came into the being that we are. But Jesus did not bypass his theophany. Jesus knew who he was. He was the Logos that came out from God. He was the one that, that spoke and moved over the face of the waters. And in all of that, it was that great, great Jesus that humbled himself as he was Jehovah God. And he humbled himself down and broke himself really into two pieces, into a seed, into an egg. And put it into the womb of, of a virgin. And then he put, brought the word, I could say, came to the word. The word seed came to the word egg. And they germatized together and brought life. It was an example of exactly what the word does when it reaches a virgin womb. It will germatize and bring forth the purpose that it was always meant to perform. And we know as it begins to form, as we know in science today, it begins to form a backbone and it begins to perform different things, though it was not yet seen. It didn't yet come to fruition as the eyes could know it. But there was one individual that knew something was happening. And that was Mary. The virgin herself would begin to know that there was a life within her that she could not deny. There was a kick. There was a push. There was something going on that, that had changed her life. And it began to, in her, it began to become a change in her own body that perhaps Joseph could look at and see, honey, you're getting a little bit, you know, thicker. Or honey, your, your feet are getting, let me massage your feet a little bit. They look like they're, they're, you know, retaining some water. Even though then in those days they didn't know what that was. I'm sure they just thought it was swelling. Something's wrong with you. <laughs> but they knew that it was a pregnancy. There was something going on. There was something that was happening. There was a life within them and it was a happy time. Amen. And she, we knew that, that she'd come to it. Nowadays we call it nesting. And she had enough energy that she came close to the end of her pregnancy. And Joseph says, well, you know, we have to go down to Bethlehem. We have to do these things. But, you know, I have to go there. Maybe you could stay. Maybe they had this conversation. But she thought, no, I got this. We can go down to Bethlehem. Not understanding what she was doing. That there was something within her that was driving her to do something that she didn't fully understand. As I'm sure she was halfway along the journey that many of us would look at as a trial wondering, what am I doing? Why am I on the back of this donkey? I'm nine months pregnant. Why am I sitting here on this donkey going down to Bethlehem to put a tick on a page that says, yes, I am here and I was born in Bethlehem. I'm a part of Joseph and he was born here. Why am I doing this as a census and a taxation? Why am I doing this? But something within her was driving her to do it, not realizing it was out of Bethlehem I've called my son. Amen. That God was beginning to fulfill it and the word could not contradict the word. It had to come out right. It had to live out right. And as it began to live out through Mary, eventually it became separated and something was birthed from her. 
Amen. And she, and we know that to be the seed of God. But even in all that, that still was, that still was Jesus that had not bypassed his theophany, but he subjected himself to be tempted like all, in all manner that we are tempted. So he is able to secure us in our hour of temptation. So no matter what we go through, he was there. He knew what it was to grow up as a little boy. He knew what it was to be a teenager and to go through the things that you go through. He knew what it was to have a thought towards a woman that wasn't right. But he knew what it was to overcome that because he was tempted, but he did not fall. Hallelujah. He knew what these things were as a man to be tempted to to pursue a career and pursue this, but to rather humble himself and to be subject to the will of the Father in his own life. He knows what it is to have desires. He knows what it is to strive and want to be something, but he was able to put those things aside. Amen. And it was an example to us that we would be able and come to this place by the Holy Spirit, the same life that was in him, to be able to put aside our own desires. To be able to put aside our own things, not understanding the full picture, the full will of God, as Jesus at that time did not fully understand. Yet he was God. But that day when he was there on the river... And the, uh, the Holy Spirit had spoken to John and said, The one in whom you see the, the, the Spirit in the form of a dove descending on and remaining upon. He's the one. Amen. So as it came to this place, now it was all of God right there. The fullness of God dwelt bodily in Jesus Christ. And as he stepped out in there and he proved time and again that he had pre-creation knowledge, that as he began to speak and the Pharisees began to question him, he said, before Abraham was, I am. That wasn't just, I hope I was, I am. That was, I am. I know. I've got revelation of exactly who I am, of exactly where I came from, exactly what I was, what I will be, and what I will ever be. Amen. And he knew exactly. And even when he came and he began to shut the doors and speak to his disciples after Judas had gone out and done his thing, in John 14, he begins to speak, and he begins to speak about things that are post-millennium. In my Father's house are many mansions. Oh my. And he just begins to impart it in this way. And the disciples, as they sat there and they begin to say, oh, speak plainly. But then they begin to realize, no, now you're beginning to speak plainly to us. We're beginning to have an understanding. This isn't parables anymore. You're literally speaking to us. I am the Father. The Father is in me and I am in him and we are one. Don't you see, have I not been so long with you? Don't you see, I am the fullness of God. And as he come down and he began to come down into the end, he he was crucified and he went down into hell as he would go down there and preach the soul that were in prison and as he would preach to them he would preach to them why didn't you listen why didn't you listen to Enoch why didn't you listen to Moses why didn't you listen to Elijah why didn't you listen to Elisha why didn't you listen to John the Baptist why didn't you listen to all these ones why now you're stuck way down here with nobody and nothing and there is no hope for you but there was hope they all spoke of me Oh, hallelujah. They were all looking for the day that you're seeing now, and I've come to show you I'm the one, and now I must go again and raise up all that listened. 
all that received the word for their day, he raised them back up again and pulled them back into earth, back into our dimension where they walked on earth for about 40 days. And as he was there, Jesus appeared to his disciples. And as Jesus was appearing to his disciples, he began to break bread. Once again, he was there in his glorified form. Yet he could eat. Yet he could walk right through the wall. Hallelujah. He could transfer from this dimension to the next, to the next. It didn't matter anymore. Things that we look at and we press the keys of the piano and it's solid and we can't just put our hands directly through it, but we realize he could just go right there because he had a need. Because he had a desire. There was something on his heart, faith that was pulling him this way. He had a will of God to perform and there was no more hindrances in that form. Oh, Hallelujah. In a theophany form, there will be no more hindrances to performing the will of God. The things that we battle with over and over and over again, they will no longer be there to hinder us because it says the former things will no more come into our remembrance anymore. They'll have passed away. All things will be made new. Praise be to God. And as Jesus then went off the scene, he knew to go tell them, go and wait for power as they went up into the upper room. And they could perhaps sit around and they could talk about all the good times they'd had with the Lord. All the things that they'd seen him do, all the miracles they'd seen him do. And it took them a few days to be able to get Pharisees and Sadducees and disciples into one mind and one accord. Hallelujah. The first church it wasn't all poor people. It wasn't all rich people. There were some Pharisees, they were smart. There were some Sadducees, they were sad all the time. They didn't believe in the resurrection. But they were pretty smart too, just not as smart as the Pharisees. So the Pharisees thought. But they were able to get that aside. They were able to recognize, hold on a second, these things aren't important. He said we're going to be endued with power from on high. There's something coming. There's something that's happening. And what was happening, the arrow of God's deliverance was about to be shot into the church that God was about to be able to give them something that it could no longer be just Jesus out there, but Jesus in here. Amen. And as they got this place, they in their own selves, they elected Matthias to be the last of the 12 when that was man's choice, but God chose Paul. Hallelujah. And as God began to choose Paul, he didn't choose Paul just by his intellects. He didn't choose Paul by his his natural ability, though he had a lot of natural ability. He had a lot of intellects, but he had to take him on the backside of the desert like he did Moses to get all of that out of him. He had to make sure his natural ability couldn't be relied on, so he blinded him. Hallelujah. God knows exactly what he's doing in your life to put you through things that makes you seem like, God, why why am I this way? Why do I have to overcome these things? Why do I have to be such an invalid sometimes? Because God said, I can use that. Hallelujah. 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 We are not to look down on ourselves and think, well, I got this problem and I got that problem. That's just in the flesh. You say, well, it goes deeper than that, Brother Andrew. I got complexes. I got things. That's right. That's just in the spirit. Because in the soul, there's only faith or doubt. And if there's faith in control of that soul, it's able to override the complexes that are in your spirit. It's able to override the troubles and the scars in your memory. It's able to override your previous affections and give you affections for things above. It's able to override your physical infirmities and bring it into a perfect stature. Hallelujah. 
That's my God. That God is able to do this. And it wasn't something he built up to. He put it right there. Day one, he put it right there. But the trouble is, the church decided to bury it. Well, the Branham says in some places, he says, they had no business being at the Nicene Council. They had no business going there and listening to those people, going there and listening to those things. And it's the same way today. We got no business going and listening to some of the things we listen to. We got no business going and wondering what's going on in this world and what's going on in that world and what about the news this way and what about the, oh, the, the events made clear by, by prophecy according to some denominational person. We got no business feeding on those things. We got business feeding on the Word of God and understanding exactly our signs for our time according to the message of the hour because that's the message that we received. When it came time that Elisha was sick unto death, Joash didn't go, it's about time. He ran to him and he said, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel, the horsemen there, what are we going to do without an open vision in the land? Yeah. Hallelujah. What would we do without this message? We'd be lost. We'd be hopeless. We'd be wandering around like sheep without a shepherd. But we've received a message, so we ought to put all our eggs in the same basket. Amen. Hallelujah. There's some investing advice for you. Put all your eggs in one basket. Because this basket will never fail. Hallelujah. It wasn't put together by a man. It was put together by Jehovah. Because it was the same Jesus Christ that walked on earth and said, I am that I am. Came back down and gave a message to a seventh messenger, seventh age messenger, and began to speak and say, speak. Because in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. All the mysteries, the things that have been wrapped up as revelations of Jesus Christ and what people have looked into, some were not smart enough and they decided to try and understand revelations on their own. Some were smart like Charles Spurgeon and said, it's going to take a prophet. But finally, there came a prophet that began to look into it, began to realize even down through time, down through history, how it lined up so perfectly. How history backed up the prophecies that were right in the Bible the whole time. And as he began to look, and as he began to see, and he began to look, and he began to preach in the revelation of Jesus Christ in 1960, he began to notice and say, and it lines up just perfectly. As he began to go into the church ages, how it just is so perfect, how God geographically made it line up. So that way, the exact spirit that would be in an age would be the same spirit that was on that church. So the same one, the same message that was to that church would be perfect to an age because it was God. And he was fulfilling and he was laying out his purpose and his plan and his sevenfold mystery that he began to lay out in a certain way so people could understand it's the same God that's in control. The same one that laid the foundations and laid the stars in the heavens and put it all in order. The same one that came and showed Enoch, these are the pyramids and this is the blueprints and this is exactly how you're going to build it. It's the same one that wrote the Bible. It's the same one that came in the message and began to make it line up from Genesis to Revelation. Live from the beginning to the end and things that people thought it's not even inspired anymore he began to live it out whatever you say to this mountain be moved and don't doubt in your heart he showed it's possible today yeah. hallelujah now I can start my notes Brother Branham says in the era of God's deliverance he says that's what's just about the same is happening tonight in the Christian church. 
We've struck the arrow of God's deliverance. He said it was. God sent the arrow of deliverance to us. The arrow of deliverance is the Holy Spirit that's been shot. Shot from the bow of God's love right when eternity to eternity was pulled together by the cord of love. And God shot the arrow of deliverance into the church on the day of Pentecost. And the church was given it in her hands. Hallelujah. This is the Holy Spirit given into the hands of the church. And the church was given to her hand the arrow of God's deliverance. And the Holy Spirit will deliver the church out of any kind of a chaos it could get into. That's what it does. That's what does it do. But what does it do with it? There's it. What does the church do with it? They picked up the arrow and they struck it three times. That's a backslidden king. Oh, we'll just teach theology. Oh my, you got that right in the message too. Brother, all we want, you just get up and you just preach the word. You just, 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 just don't try and get personal. Just don't try and get, don't, 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 don't meddle anything. Just, just take the quotes and the scriptures and just lay it out. No, there's more to it than just that. There's more to it than just do's and don'ts. There's more to it than just saying, well, I got a quote for this and a scripture for that. It has to be a life that's lived out and is pertinent to our day and age. He says, that's all right. We'll just teach psychology. Have an organization. You can go to church like that too. That's just about as far as you struck. Struck short of many blessings. And the church tonight, hear me, the church tonight is still striking short. The church has struck short of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It struck short of deliverance from sin. It struck short. He said, oh, I belong to church. He says, brother, when you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it takes that old temper right out of you. It puts on a dress on you sisters and makes you act like a lady. It'll make you quit your smoking, your drinking, your lying, your stealing, your pornography watching. It'll make you quit all of those lusting and all those things. It'll take it right out of you. He says it separates you. It delivers you from the things of the world. Because you can't love the world and love God. Because if you love God, then, then you can't. You hate the things of the world. But if you love the world, the love of God's not even in you. That's a direct quote from John. Amen. It makes you love God. It makes. It's not it gives you an urge to love God. It makes you love God. It doesn't give you an urge to go to church. He said it makes you go to church. It doesn't give you an urge to worship him. It says it makes you worship him. It doesn't give you an urge to tell your neighbor about it. It makes you tell your neighbor about it. It makes you live above sin. Hallelujah. But the modern church has struck short of it. Oh, they just struck and say, we got a church. We got a good teacher. We got theology. That's about as good as much as you know about it. Listen, I'm not just interested in just having a good pastor. I'm interested in having the Holy Ghost moving in every service in our midst. Every church service we set in Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, youth meetings. I want God to move. Hallelujah. Every promise in the book is mine. 
every chapter, every verse, every line. Hallelujah. Just God sent the baptism of the Holy Ghost, put it in the hands of the church, the arrow of God's deliverance to deliver from sickness, from sin, from worry, from trouble, from worldliness, from everything else, and we struck short of it. Oh my, so see, it's been put in the hands of the church. And what did Elijah say, Elisha, when he took it, he said, strike, take the arrows and strike the ground. What was it? He says, that's a type, take the Holy Ghost and strike what's under your feet. What's under your feet? It's the devil. Hallelujah. You'll bruise his head. He'll bruise your heel. But listen, take the Holy Spirit and keep whipping that old devil with the Holy Ghost. How do I do it, Brother Andrew? Listen to what the Holy Spirit says. Listen to the urges it gives you, the way it makes you do things. Listen to it. Feed on it. Hallelujah. Strike the ground. Strike the devil. Don't stop. Don't sit there and come short of a total deliverance and a total victory. Don't come short. Don't sell yourself. Say, well, God delivered me from this. Wonderful. Keep striking the ground. He says, if you would have struck it five or six times, you would have completely consumed them. Hallelujah. How often we stop short and just leave that little bit there. We strike it three times. and Well, I got deliverance from this old thing. And I got deliverance from lust. And I got deliverance from not going to church. And I got deliverance from not hating my brother and sister. I'm pretty good. But God says there's more. You're still walking around all grumpy. You never did get your joy. You're still walking on a bitter face. You still got all this malice going on. You don't hate them, but you still got malice towards this and that. You still got backbiting towards this and that. You still can't take it. You still got that old gossip spirit. And when something gets said over the pulpit, you immediately want to take it everywhere else. Oh boy, here we are. You still got that old spirit in you. He says, keep striking the ground. Don't stop short and say, well, I've come this far. Go all the way. Hallelujah. We'll just take it off topic here again. When the, when the Israelites, when they came into the promised land and they began to possess the promised land, the first thing Joshua did not do is tell them which one's their inheritance. If you go read the book of Joshua, first things that's recorded in the book of Joshua, they all went and they conquered this one and they conquered that one. There was even two and a half tribes that were on the east side of Jordan that were over there, and that was where their inheritance was. But they had to come over too. They couldn't just come halfway. They said, if you want to stay there, that's fine. But you need to come across Jordan too. And you're going to come, and you're going to help everybody else take their land. And you're going to have it. See, there's things that as a body of Christ, we come to. There's certain uh, doctrines that we come to. It's not this one over here believes the Trinity, and that one over there believes oneness, and that one over there believes the Godhead in this certain way. No, there's certain things as a body of Christ that you come to. There's certain doctrines, there's certain standards that you come to that this is what the church believes, and this is what we're laying out, and this is the standard of the church that we go forward, and we're all in this together. But after that was conquered, then it came down into the personal life where Joshua began to place them and said, now go take it. 
Now we've conquered the five kings. We've conquered the kings of the north. We've conquered this one. We've conquered that one. There's really nothing else in your way. There's a few more giants here. There's a few little pocket here. But what is it? That's in your own personal land. So now it's your turn to take the word of God and apply it personally inward and begin to overcome the enemy that nobody else has any business fighting but you. Hallelujah. Even Ephraim came to him. Oh, I love it. I'm just paraphrasing. Ephraim came back to Joshua and they said, listen, our land is too small. Joshua said, fantastic. Go take Mount, begin to be called Mount Ephraim. Go take that. It's a forest. You can have it. And they said, but it's full of giants and they got iron chariots and horsemen. It's going to be a hard thing. And he says, yep, and I give it to you. Hallelujah. That's what God does. You can sit there all day and say, but listen, it's so hard. I I get up in the morning and I want to have joy so bad, but then the first thing I do is I pick up my phone and everything's a downer. And I just can't overcome. And Brother Andrew, I want to have devotions first thing in the morning, but I get up and the kids are crying and I just can't seem to get to it. And all day long I'm busy. I just can't. Joshua said, it's yours. Go take it. He didn't tell them, this is how you're going to do it. He didn't go get a word from the Lord and begin to explain to them, the mighty angel, the captain of the Lord's host came down and told me exactly how to take apart an iron chariot and exactly how to take down a horse. No, he said, you know how. However you're going to do it, go do it. But it's yours. Praise be to God. That's the God that we're serving. He's beginning to say to you, listen, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. And you can live above the the, the wiles of the devil. That your faith is able to quench every fiery dart the devil throws at you. Everyone, not half of them and some of them just seem to get by. No, every one of them. It's yours, but I can't hold your shield. Hallelujah. Think about it. What do you got for help? He said, strike the ground. Listen, the prophet, Elisha, told the king, pick up your bow. What did the king do? He picked it up with his hand. He picked it up with authority. The right hand of God represents his full power and authority. A man is his authority. It's his power. He picked that up. And what did Elisha do? He put his hands on the king's hands. The authority of the prophet went over the authority of the king. And he said, we're going to shoot an arrow together. (laughs) Hallelujah. This isn't just the authority of a king. This isn't just political. This isn't just something that's happening here. This is the word of the Lord now. That we're going to take the, 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 the bow and we're going to hold it with the right authority. And we're going to pull back the string together. And we're going to release the arrow of God's deliverance together. Oh, God has given us in such a, a place in our lives that we have authority by receiving this message. By receiving the message of our day. If we have received it, then we are under the same authority that the prophet was under to speak the word. If you've received it into your heart and it's become a reality in you, and, and, and you can defeat the enemy by applying the word of God in your life. 
See, God puts the authority of the message into your hand over the authority of your place in your home, over the authority of your place in your family, over the authority of your place in this church. He puts his word over that, and he begins to say, it's not by your might, it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's not by what you can do. This is not a political movement. I'm the leadership. I'm already laid out the foundations, and I want you to move forward in it. God has desired to bring you to that place a long time. Not a backslidden dad. Not backslidden mothers. Not just to lay out to see an attitude if it's good enough. Keep striking. Keep believing. Never, never give up. Never give up on your children. Never give up on your spouse. Never give up on overcoming the enemy in every area of your life. He's a squatter. The Jebusites thought they had it. Because the Bible records Judah was not able to take them out of Jerusalem. So the Jebusites abode in Jerusalem. And they got so uh, proud in themselves that even when David came up, they said, he'll never take it. But David was looking at a promise. Years, decades, generations later. I love it. The promise is unto you and to your children, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah. Generations, hundreds of years after Joshua, hundreds of years after Moses, here come a man named David that says, that's on our land. Them people are inhabiting a city that we were supposed to take hundreds of years ago. Why are they still there? I love that attitude when you get angry at the devil enough, when you begin to recognize, listen, oh, sometimes we, got, we, 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 we have so much respect for those that have gone on before that we reverence them in a way that they've done nothing wrong. Listen, if your grandparents or grandpappy didn't possess something, that doesn't mean you can't. Yeah, if the people that lived directly under Brother Branham couldn't possess something, that doesn't mean you can't. That just means they weren't up to the task. Are you? Hallelujah. It still matters. The word of God still matters. The message of the hour still matters. It's still relevant. The standard that we live in still matters. Just because the world has slipped further, you remember the, 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 the analogy last time, how we put God over there, we put the world over there. And remember how the world, doesn't matter how far over there it gets, we still need to be farther and farther this way. I know to our own carnal understanding that the farther the world gets that way, this seems a little better right here. But the farther it gets that way, the further God gets that way, we can't stand in the middle. 
We got to keep going towards God. We got to keep pressing. We got to keep going. Why? Because it's, it matters. The standard that we have ought not to drop off because Brother Harold's gone on. It ought not to drop off because that generation is passing away. It ought to stay strong in our young people, in our parents. We ought to hold up the standard high, real, pure lives. Hallelujah. We still ought to approach the word of God with a reverence and humility like David did. It didn't matter. It had been hundreds of years. David still had enough reverence to say, we're going to take that land. And whoever's the first one in there, and God even came down just like God gave Joshua uh, the, 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 the wisdom of how to defeat Jericho, how to defeat Ai, how to defeat all these different kings. And he even gave Joshua the ability that when he needed more time, he said, just speak. Hallelujah. But here comes David years later that finally he begins to realize there's more land to possess. Praise be to God. He didn't leave. He he didn't do it all. There's something for me to do. David loved it. He loved to lead troops in a battle. He loved to go out and do these things. He loved to be in the thick of the heat of the war that it was actually, it's recorded in the word that finally his man told him, David, you should probably hang back. Lest the light of Israel goes out, I think is the words that it used. Because David, you're always trying to fight in the middle of it. This was right after, because what happened? David killed Goliath, right? David killed the giant, and all the men around him, it's recorded in, in 2 Samuel, all the men around him begin to become giant slayers. They took courage by what somebody did over there, and they went, if he can do that, I could do that. That's not just for Brother Ed. That's not just for Brother Andrew. That's not just for Brother Max, Brother John, Brother Moses. That's not just, well, they could do it. Praise God. They got It's for you. If they can overcome, you can overcome. And if you can overcome, I can overcome. Praise be to God. It didn't matter if one of them had 14-inch fingers, 28-inch hands. It didn't matter if one of them had to jump down in a pit and be stuck in there in a pit. One-on-one. It's me and you, buddy. He said, bring it on. Yeah. David took your buddy down with a stone, so I'll take you down with my fist. And a matter of fact, one records, he went and took his spear. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you ain't got no weapon to fight with. Oh, he's got a weapon. I'll use his. Praise be to God. The devil's just a bluff. Keep striking the ground. Keep recognizing the Holy Ghost that I have is stronger than anything that he's got. The message perfection says, but look, my brother, my sister, the remedy is Christ. It's so simple. It's not all these great things that you got to accomplish. The remedy is Christ. The remedy for overcoming that they needed in their day, in the days of David, they needed a David. They needed Christ in David, a little boy that would have faith in God. That's what they needed, and that was the remedy that made men that were older than David to stand up and realize, I can do this too. Eliab, his own brother, who was originally telling him, I know that the, the, the way your heart is and the pride of your heart, that you just want to show off down here, and all these things, when he come down to get Goliath, and Eliab was giving him a hard time, Eliab became a mighty man of valor in David's army. He's his oldest brother. Yeah. 
He should have been leading the army. But it took God, man, somebody with faith in God. That was the remedy. It's the same remedy today that it takes somebody with faith in Jesus Christ to overcome in order to give everyone else the courage to say, I can do this too. God's word, in end time seed sign, he says, God's word has got the answer. It's got the answer to everything that we ask. It's in God's book. Praise be to God. It's got the answer for sin. It's got the answer for where the world is at today and the things that they're trying to push on you and push on you and try to overcome you and overwhelm you with all kinds of things, all kinds of things to live up to. Oh, it's not just the LGBT blah, blah, blah that they got going on. They also want to put their images of things before you try and say, this is pretty. If you don't look like this, you ain't pretty. Let me tell you something, sisters. That's a lie. You know how I know that? Because it came from the devil. The very pit of hell. Which is Hollywood. Do you know when the devil's lying? When he's talking. So when he puts that image before you next time you're walking down and you see that magazine, oh, that's what beauty is. No, it's not. Let me tell you about a little something here. Give you a little, a little uh, class on uh, electronics. It's called Photoshop. If anyone's got Instagram, they know exactly how to do that. What it really looks like and what gets posted on Instagram ain't so Instagrammed. It took a long time to get there. Yes, I made that up on the fly. That was Instagrammed. Hallelujah. They go, you, you can Photoshop anything. I met a woman today that I'd seen her before. It was the wife of a client of ours. And, you know, and she was all dolled up before. And my goodness, I thought, man, I mean, hey. That's what he likes, I suppose. And she looked pretty in all her makeup and things, and I didn't say nothing. And I seen her today. <laughs> it was like, who are you? And I'm not even kidding you. I had the biggest Coke bottle glasses on, and all the makeup was gone, and I was just going, is that the same woman I met before? And he's like, yeah, yeah, Andrew, this is my wife, so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I think we met before. <laughs> I did say that, actually. <laughs> but that's the way the world is to them. That's beauty. Till they get wet. But that's beauty. And, but, but what is makeup? Makeup is anything that is fake. If it's made up, it's makeup. If it's not the real you, if it's something you had to put on to cover up the real you, you know, makeup was originally called makeup by a company. Brother Branham talks about it. I can't remember the exact name of the company. But originally, it was called makeup only for movies. For theatrical makeup. Because it was considered such a hideous thing. It was considered so much makeup put on to make them somebody, somebody completely different. That that's why they called it makeup. But then this makeup company, you can look it up in the message. Brother Branham talks about this makeup company. I can't remember what exactly he calls it. Maybe one of you know. What's that? Max Factor, thank you, that's the one. That they were the first ones to call it, the, the, the son of the owner came down and said, we need to call it makeup. Stop calling it cosmetics products, we just need to call it makeup. And then it became called makeup. 
And all these things begin to come out. And then what was it? Where did it come from? It came directly from Hollywood. And they said, listen, you can be somebody you're not too. I don't, this is not in my notes, so we'll get back to my notes. But the answer is in the Bible. Say for makeup too, yeah, yeah, it is. If you go back into the book of Kings here, you'll end up finding a guy named Ahab. He got fooled by one of them. He thought she was so pretty. Then he woke up on their wedding morning. Who are you? Why? The Bible's got the answer. And Elijah said, yeah, I got, I got something for you. Your dog meat. Yeah. Prophet said that too. I'm just a direct quote. Yeah. Hey, see, and that, that's what it is. The Bible's got the answer to everything. To any question that you have a question about, you say, if Brother Branham says, well, but if it's a Bible question, there's a Bible answer. And I'll even go beyond that. If you got a question, there's an answer in the Bible. The problem is, you just might not like the answer. But this is the possession that we have. This is our inheritance that we are to possess, is the Word of God, because this is Christ. And if we're going to be like him when he appears, we've got to come into that image so that way there's a reflection going back again so we see I'm just like him. Oh, praise be to God. Keep striking the ground. Keep striking the ground. Don't get worried about what's going on around you, what your brother or sister doing. Maybe they're looking at you wondering when you're going to overcome. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Ephesians, actually, let's back up to Joshua chapter 24. I'm getting ahead of myself. If you've got your Bibles, Joshua chapter 24. It's the last chapter in Joshua. I gave Brother Mark a sticky note with all my scriptures on it, all of two scriptures. Underneath that, I wrote, this is the biggest waste of a large sticky note I've ever done. Things are that long. See, it's not my problem when I come with a whole lot of scriptures. They give us big sticky notes to write our scriptures on, okay? All right. We're all back in this now. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. It says, now therefore, this is after now. This is after they'd already possessed the land Joshua had given out and showed them exactly where all their inheritance is according to the words of the, uh, the Moses, the servant of the Lord. And they, they, he'd given them all these uh, great admonitions and, and different ones that come back. You know, Caleb had come and give me my mountain. He gave him his mountain. And the daughters of, um, I can't remember who their father was, but some daughters came along and they said, we want our inheritance. They gave them their inheritance. Some different ones came with different complaints. They gave them that. All of this has been done. It comes down to the end of Joshua's life. And verse 14 says, now therefore, fear the Lord. As it lists out all the things Joshua begins to describe to the people, all the things that God did for them in the first 13 verses. And he says, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And this is interesting. He says, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. 
Hallelujah. You think, well, we've already possessed the land. What are you talking about? Put away. Shouldn't it say, you have put away? No, he says, put away. All these gods that your father served, take all the ideas. All those little things that you're saying, I can't do it, put it away. All the things that you're looking over because God left certain ones in the, in the promised land. He left certain cities, certain strongholds there to prove the children of Israel. To prove the next generation that they had something left to conquer as well. So he put them and he left them in there so that way they could fight and possess their inheritance so they would know what it is. And he says, put away your thoughts that you think I'm going to go after those gods. Fear the Lord. And he says this, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether they be the gods of your fathers that served that were on the other side of the flood and the gods of the, or the gods of the Amorites or in whose land you dwell. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Joshua makes a proclamation. He says, I'm going to be the first one to step out. He says, listen, this is what the people need. He didn't say, listen, you guys make your own decision. I'm out. He said, no, you got to make your decision, but this is my decision. I want you to know where I'm standing too. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you jump down to the the next verse I put on there, Brother Mark, verse 19, and Joshua said unto the people, because the people responded, and Joshua said unto the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is the jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. And he says, if you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. Oh, where's that apply? You go right over into the New Testament. You begin to find out Paul begins to talk about those that crucified Christ afresh. They tasted of the, the gift of God. They tasted of the Holy Spirit. God had did them good. They struck the ground three times. And they were just content with that and they couldn't overcome completely. But keep striking. Oh my, in the next one, 22, Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves. So if you ever blame a preacher for taking you out on a limb and then cutting it off, Joshua did it first. You're witnesses against yourself that you've chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Hallelujah. Your life will be a witness of who you chose to serve. He says, now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. Oh my. And the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice will we obey. Let me just read this quote. We'll just close with this maybe. It says, the carnal-minded cannot comprehend them great things of the Scripture because it's foolish to them. In Romans chapter 8, it says, the carnal mind is enmity with God. In other words, it's, it's an enemy by nature. It doesn't have to be, you didn't have to do something to be enemy. It's just by nature, the carnal mind, God hates it. He says, but to the ones who are lovers of the word of God, those who the book was written to, to the church, 
the revelation of Jesus Christ, the church at Ephesus, the church at Smyrna, the church to the churches, on down the revelation of Jesus Christ to the church. I like that. What was he writing? He was writing Jesus Christ. And it was personally addressed. He that hears ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Oh man, he says, then notice, it also is the consummation of the scriptures, this book of Revelations, the complete consummation. It geographically places, placed at the right place. At the end of the Bible, the revelation of the whole thing placed right back here with the blessing to who reads it and hears it. With a curse to them that will add to it or take it away. It's the complete canon Oh, absolute. What, what's a canon? A canon in ecclesiastical affairs is a law. It's a complete law, a complete rule of doctrine, or a complete discipline, a complete enactment by a council and a confirmation by the sovereign. In other words, it's saying, God is saying, this is everything. I'm the alpha, I'm the omega. I'm the first, and I'm the last. And if you add to it, or if you take away from it, that part will be taken away out of, from your name out of the book of life. Yeah. Hallelujah. And he says, listen, nothing can be added to it. When a man tries to take it from it or add to it, there I just said that God said he'd take the same part out of the book of life. He would take his part from the book if he added to it. He says, therefore, when we see the manifold revelation of our Lord, who he is and what he is, if any person shall add something to that or take something away from it, it's a false prophecy. Many have tried to say they had something later than that. Many are still trying it today. Oh, I got, I got this plus. I, I, I got an eighth day messenger. I got this going. I got that. Well, just stay with this. This is Christ. Said, but this is the complete revelation of the Lord Jesus in the church age. Listen, and he says, <clears throat> as we read, I'll just refresh your memory from the, from the other Sunday. He says, Look, in Christ is the mystery God revealed. He says, Look, Christ in you makes him the center of life of the revelation. See, Christ's life in you makes him the center of the revelation. Christ in the Bible makes the Bible the complete revelation of Christ. Christ in you makes you the complete revelation of the whole thing. See what God is trying to do. See, Brother, Brother Moses actually started in on it really well on Sunday night. But where, where we talk about, and let me just say it this way, which, Egypt, which Israelite came out of Egypt without Moses? Tell me one. Which Israelite went across into the promised land without Joshua? Not one. Oh, they tried and brutally failed. It had to be through the message of the hour. It had to be with the light that was given to them. This is the one. That's why Moses said when they said, we'll go across ourselves. And he said, don't do it. They made themselves captains of 50, captains of 100, captains of... And they said, we got this, we're all organized. And the first one they met, Agabashan, boom, drove them back, slew so many of them. And they come running back to Moses. Moses, you were right. And Moses had grace for them. This message has grace. When you step out and you fail on your own, then you think, I can do this on my own. I got this. I'm going to understand. But he says, listen, keep striking. Stop trying to do it on your own self, in your own way. Take what I've already given you and hit the enemy over and over and over and over again. God does not change his tactics. They worked and they overcame in the beginning and they still work today. 
Let me add to that now where he carries on in Christ is the mystery. He says the new birth is a revelation. God was, has revealed to you this great mystery. That's a new birth. Hallelujah. It's so simple. But he says, that's a great mystery. And that is because God hides himself in simplicity. And he says, listen, now what, what are you going to do then when, when you get all the group together where this revelation is perfectly in harmony? And God expressing it through his word by the same actions. Hold on a second. Has anyone seen this ever get up and act? No. It's inanimate without someone to touch it. The word can't act without you. How would the word express itself? By the same actions, it needs somebody. The same thing that he did makes the word manifest. So it's when the word, Christ, the life of Christ makes him the center of the whole revelation. And Christ's life in you makes you the whole picture. Why? Because you're the one doing the actions, acting out exactly what the whole church conquered. Exactly what the whole church stands behind when there's a standard set and this is what we've possessed in our land and the whole church stands behind that and says, I'm with you, Joshua. I'm with you, pastor. I'm here with you. I'm going to stand behind that. When the doctrines are laid forth, the ones back here aren't running out ahead and saying, listen, I got something better. No, don't fall off in that way. Stay right behind that standard. Oh, if the church only knew its position, and it will one day, then the rapture will go when it knows what it is. So, but Andrew, surely we're there. Then why are we still here? Because we will one day. One more quote. If the musicians come. This is just so good, I'm having trouble quitting. Laodicea church age, he says, and then there will not be one person who will sit on the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ who ha- unless he has been living that word. What is that? That's the promise to our age. If you go down to Revelation chapter 3 and right down at the end, it says, to him that overcome the Laodicean churches, will I grant to sit with me in my throne? And now the prophet of the Laodicean church age takes that scripture and begins to say, there will not be one person sit on that throne unless you have been the actions Unless you have been the life of Christ, living that word, your prayers, your fastings, your repentances, no matter what you present to God, none of that will gain you the privilege of sitting on the throne. It will be granted only to the word bride. As the throne of the king is shared with the queen because she is united to him, so only they who are that word, even as he is of that word, will share that throne. Hallelujah, exactly what I said earlier. When when he comes, we got to know. I'm him. Hallelujah. Why don't we stand to our feet? Undefiled, real pure life. I better wait for the words. I'll forget them halfway through. Amen. There it is.
got a strength within that keeps us in the hour of temptation that keeps us when we're not able to stand on our own there's an anchor that's not just anchored here it's anchored beyond the veil amen one immutable thing the second one God cannot lie when he said greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world he cannot lie when he said there's many mansions over there he cannot lie Hallelujah. When he said, I'm coming back for you, he cannot lie. My God does not lie. He took all of that and he put it right in the devil. So all the devil can do is lie. But all God could do is tell the truth. Oh, ain't that wonderful. Our God is a consuming fire. He's a wonderful God. Hallelujah. 
Halleluja. Halleluja. The song I, I, I need a song that I can say. Do you know what song I'm thinking of? Because they always know. Amen. Amen. The love of God that reaches deep and far. Amen. Oh, love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the And I'll invite Brother Ed to come. Oh, could we think the ocean field and over the skies of parchment made where every star on earth a Two, we can sing that as well.
Satan free.